0: Welcome into episode 170 of Press Pass, Kaylee Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And we'll be getting to Joshua's uh, journey at Big Ten Days in just a moment. So first and foremost, I know it's been a busy couple weeks for you. You had Big Ten Days, then you're back on the rally. So you've been juggling a whole bunch of stuff.
1: Yes. And then uh, as we record this, um, this evening, I'm getting ready to fly to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I'm going to start my uh, preseason training camp tour. Um, So life is definitely um, ramping up at this point.
0: Yeah, that will be fun to pick your brain about the different college campuses you go on, because I know that you did it last year, and you were able to kind of share with us some of the cool things that you experienced on campus. And every year, I feel like there's different things that you are able to share new additions, something new about the team. So that will be a cool inside look we can pick your brain about. Um, But I wanted to start with an interesting article that I found on ESPN. What happened is a whole bunch of ESPN um, college football writers came together to really um, contribute to this article. So it's not really one specific writer. But I found it really interesting. It's called The 11 Biggest Power Brokers and Advocates Shaping the Future of College Football. So it's kind of just going through and listing some of the major people and foundations that are going to help drive college football moving forward with all the changes. There's a lot of interesting parts to this article And I'll just mention a couple really quickly. It starts with the realignment and future of super conferences. And at the forefront of that, they name SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, which Joshua is no surprise because we have talked about Greg Sankey and just really the leadership and the knowledge that he has with college football. We kind of want him just to take over the whole thing and run it because he seems to just have that amount of power and he just gets it. But I I found it not by any surprise that they named him as one of the major people that will have an influence moving forward.
1: Yeah. And he should, Um, he, he was the guy who really kicked off all this realignment chit chat. A lot of people were um, impressed with the way that he navigated the SEC through the, the 2020 season, um, and so he's certainly a voice that holds weight in college football at this point. Um, definitely one of the one of the leading um, drivers just in terms of some of the changes that we're seeing. And, and so I think you said it best, like we joke around about how there needs to be one central power for big time college football separate from the NCAA and it probably wouldn't be a bad thing if Sankey's name was at the top of the list for the guy who could be in charge of it. um he's done a really good job with that conference and with uh pulling college football into the future by taking the lead
0: yeah exactly so i i thought that was a good way to start off other names in this article. And again, I encourage anybody who loves college football and just is really wondering about the future of it to go read this article on ESPN.com. They mentioned governance and um, regulation. They mentioned U.S. Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat out of um, Connecticut. So he's kind of uh, mentioned in that aspect of it. Let's see. Also, some of the names that are brought up here. Let's see here. We've got. Bear with me while I'm like kind of scrolling through this. I'm trying to bring up the different points here. Um, let's see. This is the kind of morning I'm having where my computer doesn't want to scroll. Okay, okay so because
1: you know I had some difficulties getting this thing ready. To go.
0: I know, right? It's like Wi-Fi. It's too early in the morning. It doesn't want to cooperate. Okay, so recruiting. No surprise here. So Deion Sanders uh, is mentioned, Jackson State's head coach. He's kind of uh, given a, a whole new look on recruiting, especially with the um, kind of emphasis on HBCUs. Um, because right now, it, with, with NIL and all that stuff, there's just a whole different world of, you know, when it comes to recruiting and what you can do. And so he is mentioned in that specifically with Joshua. That's no surprise either.
1: No. And the interesting thing, in my opinion, about Dion, um, even being at an HBCU is because nobody really took him seriously as a coaching candidate anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and now all of a sudden, like, it, it, and the question's going to be asked, you know, does it translate to. A school within established um, tradition and history and culture, and uh, you know, where you got to play politics a little bit more because you got mm-hmm. more big money people and a lot more schmoozing. And you can ask all those questions, but from what we have seen in the sample size of him at Jackson State, there's no question that he's more than qualified to get the job done. He understands the assignment when it comes to recruiting. Um, He's a guy who understands being a brand. So he has probably a more unique perspective on how to leverage NIL than any other coach in the country, than any other coach in the country. Cause he's been prime as a player. Come on now. Uh, He's his
0: own brand. So
1: Yes. Uh, So he is, he's a guy that I have my eyes on just in terms of overall, overall career trajectory. And it feels like he got into coaching in the right moment to be able to capitalize on what he can provide best outside of just being a football coach. He's going to understand the recruiting and and he's going to be able to develop probably a robust NIL program by helping his players do the branding aspect.
0: Well, and then we mentioned this so many times on our podcast, different episodes, but just, you know, trying to push the diversity hires. And I know that, um, this name was brought up in this article for kind of a guy to look to in terms of, um, the diversity inclusion aspect of college football. So Mike Loxley of Maryland, I know that you probably are familiar with him covering the big 10. Very. Yeah.
1: Yes. And, um, the thing about, the thing about Mike Loxley that stands out is, uh, he's a guy who's been pretty open in sharing his experiences. And he's a guy who is putting his neck out there a little bit for in, in the name of diversity and inclusion. I don't think it's necessarily like, I don't think it's a popular thing to say, listen, I'm going to start an organization um, that champions coaches of color. Right. Um, You know, and it's not to say that, you know, there's a, a huge racism issue in college football, but it's to say that it, it kind of bucks what we see as the status quo, um, and Lox has done that. And I think Lox has done a lot too just in terms of um, talking about safety, yeah. not just player safety, but like mental health, all these different things, because he lost his son yeah. um, in, a, in a pretty tragic way. Um, yeah. And, and so I think as we start to look at the landscape of the sport right now, Uh, A lot of the conversation has become around diversity, equity and inclusion, which is big. But it's also become around like treating players and coaches as humans and not just as commodities for our consumption and enjoyment. And so him being vulnerable about some tough situations that he's faced just as a person, um, I think, is part of the reason why he's a guy moving forward that's going to be seen as a leader in, in college football spaces.
0: Yeah. And that actually goes into the next, um, it, to me, it, it kind of hits close to home uh, f- because Washington State lost uh, you know, a, a, a great young man a few years ago to suicide, um, Tyler Holinsky. He was the quarterback at my alma mater, Washington State. It really hit our family hard um, it was something where you did not understand where this came from, uh, you know, and then his mom and dad, um, wonderful people, uh, Mark and Kim Holinski started Holinski's Hope Foundation. And it has really, um, been a great thing for college athletes, not just college football, college athletes, because this is not just a football thing when it comes to mental health and just the weight that is put on college athletes' shoulders, you know, balancing, um, balancing athletics, balancing the pressure, uh, and then, you know, also balancing the school aspect of it. So they've talked to 100, over 150 universities across the country, just raising awareness, um, and stigmas about mental health. And I just think it's so awesome that they mentioned this foundation in this article, just because I've known so much about it since that tragedy happened. Um, so this is also something, the future with NIL specifically, you know, adding a little bit more pressure, you know, this is just something that we have to, um, realize, you know, you got to bring awareness to, cause these athletes, they're real people and they're struggling just like everyday people are. So.
1: Yeah. There was a, um, there was a point this year where I must've read, Um, five or six articles about athletes uh, who had committed suicide. Yes. Um, Collegiate athletes. And and then, you know, you've got Harry Miller at Ohio State who um, had unsuccessfully attempted Mm
0: -hmm. suicide
1: Mm -hmm. uh, and and found the strength and and the courage to reach out for help, um, which is big. And he has a head coach in Ryan Day whose father – Committed suicide, and so Ryan is is very sensitive to mental health, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. The fact that people can talk about it, but um, this it, this to me is a bigger issue that isn't talked about enough. Yeah, in collegiate athletics, and and yeah. it's it's a it's a college campus thing. Mm-hmm. I know every year at Ohio State there would be a number of students who uh, would you know, whether it's at the residence halls or otherwise would would commit suicide. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a very stressful time in your life. You're going through a lot of changes. Um, you know, your your paradigm shifts and your worldview becomes different. Uh, yeah. But for our athletes, I'm not exactly sure that um, many of them feel just the same way in the real world, feel empowered enough. Um, but the thing that hurts my heart the most is that you feel like there are resources in place. And yeah. so the the biggest barrier is getting to a point where our athletes feel like they can just communicate how they're yes. feeling. Um, so I love this mission. Yep. I think it's it's needed. I think, honestly, um, we're, we are in an inflection point with this where it can become much better. But if it doesn't, I think it's going to spiral yeah. um, because there's so much in our world. That adds stress and anxiety and um, negative feelings, so um, it's it's a big deal. I, I didn't want to go off on this long tangent about it, but like I just I've seen too many headlines for this to not be an important yeah. part of the conversation today.
0: Yeah, and that's why I wanted to bring it up too with this article that was written. Which again, I encourage you guys to go read it. Uh, there's there's some really good points under here. Some really powerful, influential people. Just I think in a positive way uh, could could be bringing good change in the future. I know right now it seems with college football that it's a little bit crazy. We're all a little confused. Um, It's a little bit of a free-for-all, but this article and the people pointed out in it and the groups or foundations pointed out in it made me feel a little bit better about the future of it. So uh, go check that out. But let's change gears a little bit, and we're going to focus the rest of the podcast on Joshua's – Take a, a takeaways, I should say, from Big Ten Media Day, which happened, what was that, like a week ago or so? I'm losing track uh, of time. Yep. About, yeah, week week ago. I don't know what day it is anymore. This is the the life I'm living here before the, the football season starts. So just the first question I will ask from you, um, what was... I know that these coaches get up here and talk. And we saw it in SEC Media Days. It's, you know, they get up there, they talk about the program. What was the biggest takeaway in terms of a coach from Big Ten Media Days? Oh,
1: man. It and it doesn't to be... have
0: to be like X's and O's. It can just be a the the, the impression, the biggest impression that a coach left on you.
1: All right. Can I give you a couple of things? Yeah. Okay. So um, Brett Bielema made this comment about how when he came to media days as a player, when he played at Iowa, that, um, you know, they, they were wearing sport coats, Iowa Hawkeye sport coats with the logo on it. And he said, you know, it must've been the 29th guy wearing the sport coat, but you know, they wanted us Hayden Fry wanted him all dressed up, looking clean. And then he says that he's got some big strapped up young fellows coming in that are wearing suits with no ties and sneakers with their suits. And, um, at first he was like, no, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. You need to wear some dress shoes and you need sure. to wear a tie. But then he spoke to his team and he spoke to some people, you know, uh, some of the other coaches and they were like, no, nah, this is what the kids do nowadays. So just yeah. let them go. Yeah. Um, but this is a, a larger commentary, um, about where his mind is at as a coach and, I've, I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years mm-hmm. um, fairly well because he's one of the more open coaches in the Big Ten. Like uh, he, he actually takes the time to talk to us and, and get to know us a yeah. little bit, and in return we get to know him. But um, basically what he said is that he has a lot of conversations with his team, uh, conversations to see where they're at because he's he's got high standards, but he also wants to be a players coach, and he wants – Them to understand that it's a give and a take where there's certain things that he's not going to budge on, Mm -hmm. but other things he's more than willing to negotiate with this team. And I think that that's really forward thinking process. But he said that he used to be very old school because that was the way that he was brought up as a coach where you couldn't wear hats in the meeting room and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and no earrings and all that kind of stuff. And he said that he spent some time in New England with Bill Belichick and Bill walks in. He's wearing a hat in the meeting and all the players are wearing hats in the meeting and all the guys are wearing earrings. And he's like, well, shit, you can wear a Super Bowl wearing earrings and hats to meetings. And so he relaxed his standards on that. Um, and so I just I thought that was very unique because college football is changing. That's all we talk about at this point. Um, and a lot of coaches are trying to hold on. To this old school, you got to pull your pants all the way up. And, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you take your hat off when you come in the meeting and you can't wear jewelry. And Brett's like, dude, it's not that big a deal as long as you do all of the other things that I'm yeah. asking you to do to win football games. If you're punctual and you're attentive and you ask questions and you practice hard, I don't give a damn if you're wearing earrings in the meeting. And I'm like, boy, this is a guy who really gets it. Um, so I'm excited to see him. We're going to Illinois on Saturday. Nice. Um, and it's always one of my favorite practices. He runs it so different than everybody else. Like I mentioned, uh, he's a guy who actually talks with this team, but he does these football, um, they're basically like football IQ type meetings where they just sit and they talk ball. The whole team just sits there and they talk down in distance and situation and yeah. what, what part of the field they're in and what the concepts are. And I think it's great. So um, I'm gushing about that guy because I really like the way that he coaches his team. Um, Mel Tucker is the other one. This is both X's and O's and off the uh, off the gridiron. But um, Mel talked about the trip that he took from uh, Montgomery to Selma. Uh, yes,
0: yes. You know,
1: to, to, as a, a, the big life series yep. with the Big Ten. But um, it, it's, it's great. And I asked him the question, Coach, you know, you, you talked about what that meant to you and how it impacted you, are you going to, have you thought of what you're going to do to talk about this and to impact your team and your community? Mm -hmm. And he said, um, no, because it's still too raw and it's too emotional and that he's still processing. And he doesn't just want to do something just for the sake of doing it. If he introduces a topic like that to his locker room, he wants to do it in a way that he knows is constructive and from mm-hmm. the standpoint where he's processed it all and he knows the right people to bring in in the right tone to strike. He said the last thing I want to do is to talk about a, a civil rights topic like that um, in the locker room and not be fully equipped to do it properly. And then I end up causing a rift between guys or I end up saying something or doing something that um, wasn't nearly as thoughtful as it should be. And I think that's remarkable because most coaches I know would just be like, oh man, that was cool. That was a really big deal. I got to do something for the team as soon as I get back. Um, Whereas Mel's like, no, we're going to take our time with this because it's really important that we do it the right way. But then he talked about expectations for his football team and he said, we went 11 and two last year. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to win every game on our schedule. So 11 and two wasn't good enough. And I'm like, dude, Nobody even picked you guys to like win a game in the Big Ten East, no, um, let alone go 11 and 2. Yeah. But Mel ain't thinking about
0: that. No, that's that's not his mentality. That's why I think people are really, um, encouraged about Michigan State's future. And I just did my AP, uh, preseason and top 25 poll, and obviously, I put Michigan State, um, you know, up there somewhat in the top, I think. 16 or so can't remember exactly where I placed them, but I think what we've seen from them in that short amount of time, just kind of the turnaround and just the buy-in that you feel like you're going to get from players, because just from that one brief story you s- told us about Mel Tucker, like this is a football guy. Absolutely. But this is also a guy who seems to get it.
1: He does. Um, and and the guy's done a great job of recruiting, um, in the portal and, uh, recruiting out of high school. So, you know, that he knows how to talk to people and and how to impact young men, which is (sighs) important, but like, yeah, the dude just gets it. Like, and then also if you've seen the content that they're pumping out on their Twitter account. Uh, Meld also looks like the coolest man in America, right? He's golfing. He's smoking cigars. He's drinking bourbon. He's got big ass dogs. He's driving cool cars. He's like a- he's doing all the cool stuff.
0: Exactly. And if you, if Joshua thinks that's cool, I'm guaranteeing that, you know, these kids that are looking at schools and trying to decide between this school or that school, you know, a little bit of swag goes a long way. Sure does. So those were your biggest takeaways in terms of just leaving something in your, in your memory. I want to talk about a very awkward situation that involves Jim Harbaugh when he was up on the, um, the stand during his press conference. I believe, was it a question about NIL?
1: It was a question about scheduling. They asked about him, scheduling.
0: Okay. Can you yeah. walk us through this? Because I, I saw just the reaction – And I think I actually saw it on the rally. You guys were doing something about it. And it was like the most awkward thing that he just like stood there in silence for a good like eight, nine, ten seconds.
1: Yeah. So he was asked about their schedule. And I think that um, Michigan plays Colorado State, um, UConn. And Hawaii, maybe? I, I gotta, I gotta um, effort that. But he was asked by a member of their media yeah. um, about the schedule and, and, you know, don't you owe it to the fans? Or, the, you know, the fans have been talking about how the out of conference is, is not, you know, it's not very strong and it's sure. not exciting. And, and he wasn't lying. But um, in fairness to Jim Harbaugh, this, this guy apparently is also a pain in the ass. Okay. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of tension there, but Jim looks at him, and like you said, he kind of pauses, and then he's like, "He's like, I don't know, I I, I don't know, I'm not going to answer that." And uh, you know, we're all just like, "Whoa!" Because it was the last question he took, the very last.
0: Oh, so it was the last question.
1: Yeah, and it was like you know, very uneventful in. you know, people were kind of, they had their antennas up because Harbaugh's offseason, you know, he had some new coaches in there and he was flirting with the NFL and you got a quarterback situation going on right now. And, you know, so, you know, people were just kind of waiting to see what he was going to be like. And he was great up until that point. And then he's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> he like, I, I'm not, I'm not in charge of the schedule. Uh, that's, that's, I'm not in charge of it. If if you're wondering about the schedule, you can talk to Ward Manning. Uh, I would suggest that you call Ward and you set up a meeting with him and, and you can ask him the same question. Yeah. And So it was like, all right, we got our moment. And then turn around um, at the end of his, so that was at like the main podium. And then they have like the breakout uh, little parts where you get 45 minutes and um, you can ask Q&A to the coach. And so he was doing that. And uh, Doug LaVarice, La- La- a friend of ours. yeah um uh, asked him about the um born on third thought he hit a triple comment he made after beating Ohio State
0: okay and
1: um Harbaugh took exception to that question wow. and uh kind of like stormed off the podium at that oh
0: point.
1: He was angrily walking away so uh, he had a couple of moments but he was uh he was good. He had a really funny line when he was talking about his quarterbacks. He was like, uh, somebody was asking about the competition, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, you know, Cade uh, McNamara is going to be a really hard quarterback to beat out." And so, like, me and Mike Hall, who I was hosting the the podium show with, yeah, we started writing that down, and then he says. J.J. McCarthy is going to be a really hard quarterback. Oh. To out. and then me might look at each other. And we both start scratching off our paper like that was nothing.
0: That would um, never mind, right? No. So Jim, thought,
1: Jim played that one really well. Uh, it was. You it was thought you got local. a nugget
0: there. You thought you thought got a nugget. Did. We didn't. Um, get
1: a damn thing.
0: You didn't get a damn thing. And I know that the coaches aren't the only people that are there. There's obviously representatives in terms of players, anybody who stood out to you that you're like, man, this guy's sharp. I know in SEC media days, there were a couple of really a sharp dressers, which you always are oh, gonna yeah, get. We had some sharp dressers. But then there's always those guys that like you learn a little bit more about just in that short amount of time just because I feel like, you know, they're representing the university A, but they're also doing so much more media in just one day.
1: Yep. Um A few guys who who I got to connect with that I was really excited to talk to. Um, Nick Herbig, who is a linebacker for Wisconsin. Yeah. The dude is an absolute just, like, he's hilarious. He's great for TV. Yep. Oh, yeah. So funny. Um, Offensive
0: lineman, you said?
1: No, linebacker. Oh, he's
0: a linebacker. Okay. Yeah.
1: And the dude's like, he's he's a junkyard dog. He plays like a a damn maniac, but um, he's funny. He's engaging. He's a really good player. Glad I got to connect with him. Payne Durham is oh, a tight yeah. end for yeah. Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've talked about that guy plenty of times. Yeah. I, I respect the heck out of his game. But I, I got to talk to him. Um, um, he's he's a just a really good young man. So rooting for him certainly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then the guys from Penn State, and it's something about um, James Franklin's guys. He he usually picks really good representatives, and and sure. I've had. A lot of success on that campus in the guys that I've had a chance to meet and um actually like being able to um you know like connect with the guys
0: yeah um
1: but p j mustafer was there he's somebody I, I connected with a year ago, and um it's my guy i mean he's just he's a jovial dude, he's a defensive tackle, just a big guy, but like big smile on his face, smart guy uh you know just like he i think he gets it on a deeper level, sure, and then um they had uh, Jair Brown, who's one of their cornerbacks, and I had not met him before, and he's just a wonderful kid. And then Sean Clifford, their quarterback. Um, and me and Sean got to know each other over the season last year, but he's doing a lot of different things in the NIL space. He, he actually okay. owns an agency, and um, you know he's, he's talking about players' rights with the conference right now. Um, and so oh, he's wow. a guy who is thinking about what his career could be outside of football, um, and how he can impact other people, but um, you know it's it's funny because I you know I I knew who and I for perspective when I was in college I knew who the guys on BTN were um, oh, yeah. so if I ever saw him I could shake their hand and call them by name but you know I I, I get into this mode where I'm like All right, man these cats ain't watching um, but it's always funny because like some of these guys come up shake my hand call me by name sure. and I really respect that and so. Um, our conference had a lot of really good representatives out there. And there's a lot of other guys I could talk to. I could go all day. It's my favorite part of this job is, is when I get on campus and I can talk to guys. Um, a lot of great guys, though. And um, I'm looking forward to going to training camps and then being on campus to cover a few games this year. And um, just the season overall. Because the storylines develop on the field. But when, yeah. when you know the guy and you can you can put a little bit of a personal touch on the stories, I think that's where the, the magic really happens.
0: Yeah, and like you said, every year it, it's something different. So before we wrap things up, the one thing that you might not have heard Joshua mention is his Ohio State Buckeyes. So give me one takeaway from your your uh, impression with, with the Bucks.
1: They're going to be really damn good is my takeaway. Uh, it, I mean, it, just too much talent on offense – Defense is going to be better. Ryan Day said that he expects a top 10 defense. Uh, okay. That's okay. bold. That's bold.
0: Yeah, that but is. But
1: you got to – I mean, it's like Mel Tucker saying that he expects to win every game. It's like Jim Harbaugh for the first time in his it's career like declaring – Clark Lee
0: saying that yeah. – <laughs> well, Yeah. I'm just joking. I'm well, joking.
1: Yeah. A little bit of a different situation. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh for the first time in his career basically said our goal is to beat both of our rivals in the same year, win the Big yeah. Ten, and win a national title. He'd never talked about a national championship Right. Before. Um and so Ryan Day saying like listen we want to win championships but he's like I expect my defense to be top 10 in the country.
0: Yeah. phenomenal.
1: Um defense if they can improve this is a team that I believe can win a national title. Um that's basically it like outside of that there's really nothing else like yep. standards are high they in Columbus they say like 11. I mean, they went 11 and two. They won a Rose Bowl. This says not cutting it. They said, you know, nobody wants to win a Rose Bowl at Ohio State anymore.
0: Exactly. It's, you know, it's championship or bust for a lot of these major programs. But it sounds mm-hmm. like the Big Ten has a, a lot of competitive teams this upcoming season. And it'll be fun to to see how that unfolds. I like some of these big rivalries really coming back and being meaningful so it sounds like it's, uh, it's going to be a good season for the Big Ten. I love always to see that because yeah. you always want to see another conference making a push at the SEC just yeah. because the SEC has been so dominant. Big
1: Ten's uh, in a great spot. It opinion. is.
0: It, it absolutely is. So we appreciate the insight on Big Ten Media Days. We'll be picking your brain throughout the next several weeks when you're making some of these campus tours too, we'll definitely make this part of the podcast. So Joshua, where can they go to find you? Follow some of that stuff on social media.
1: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP.
0: You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV. Uh, We always appreciate you guys tuning in for press pass. Just imagine in a few weeks, we're going to be actually talking about games that batter in college football. I cannot wait. It seems like it's been a really long off season, but we always enjoy you guys tuning in. And thanks again. We'll be back for another episode of Press Pass real soon. Take care.